Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I am at my new place. I have that sweet, sweet fiber internet. Can you feel the increased connectivity between the two of us? Yeah, you sound faster. I feel like I'm, I'm hearing you quicker now. Yeah, you posted your sick upload and download speed on uh, Twitter. I have almost a thousand gigs up. That's crazy. You don't need that many, folks. For folks at home who are wondering if you need that many, you don't need that many. That is more many gigabytes than you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you sound great. How's the new place so far? It's good. I am almost all settled in. I have internet now, and I'm going to try to do Hulu Live TV with my sweet, sweet internet. So we'll see how that works. This will be the first time I have not had cable TV in my life. So, But I need to watch those NBA games. You yeah, ready for game it. seven tonight, baby? Sports. I, who, who's, <laughs> who's playing I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it's Bucks and uh, it's the Nets, right? Bucks Nets. Yeah, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> the only reason I know that is because I was just watching BK's VOD from the showdown, <laughs> and his title was like "Lol versus LR Showdown slash Bucks Nets Talk" or whatever. So look at you is, picking up context clues. That's the only reason I know that. Yes, yes, I'm a, I'm a real sleuth. Okay, so that sort of uh, previews what this episode is going to be about, and also the title, I assume. Uh, MH2 Team Draft Debrief. So we did uh, the fourth installment of the Lords versus Resources, or I should say, the Lords and Cord versus Resources showdown on Thursday for Modern Horizons Two, and uh, we're gonna do a little debrief. We're gonna run through all six draft logs here. That's the beauty of doing this team drafts, as we have all the logs. We have all the deck picks, and I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion about the flow of things in the table and also talking about what goes into a team draft. Yeah, I am really looking forward to it. It was sweet just chatting with you even before we sat down to record. Yeah, we, we, every every sentence we were like, oh, we're blowing it for the podcast. We're, we're spoiling all the content. So uh, hopefully we still have a lot to discuss, and I, I do think we do. So uh, some housekeeping stuff to get to before we do that, and a lot of sweet stuff to talk about. First things first, Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. A lot of sweet perks over there. You get access to the Discord, access to the show notes in anticipation of the episode, access to all of our draft logs, access to a private section of the Discord, or even access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. All of that is over at the Patreon page. And of course, we're going to welcome each new patron the week that they join. This week, we are welcoming Andrew, Evan, Chris, and Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. They've got some sweet deals going on right now. There's the Channel Fireball Booster Box Blowout. They are also a fan of the alliteration. I love it. So they've got a, a huge sealed product sale going on. Basically, you can get up to 20% off on Magic the Gathering, or if you're into them, uh, Pokemon or Flesh and Blood sealed products as well. So if you're interested in that, we will have that link available for you in the show notes. Also, CFP Pro Showdown Tournament is happening, and you're commentating that again, right? That's true. Yeah, they're re-racking me and Martin Yuza in the commentary booth, and this week well, it will be over, but this week, tonight, Huey Jensen is the end boss for the uh, the CFB Pro Showdown. So how does that feel? Back-to-back coverage gigs. It feels great. I love it. It's very, very fun to do. I yeah, I really enjoy doing it. I feel like it's like a, a huge confluence of all of my like skills, talents. It was a blast getting to do it with Martin last time, so looking forward to it again this time. Yeah, you crushed it. I watched, I watched Standard for about 45 minutes, which for me is a significant amount of time. 
That's a that's also a huge compliment because it was actually historic. So I'm really oh. I, I'm really glad you liked all the <laughs> the standard content last month. Mostly, I was just paying attention to you commentating and thinking, dang, you're really good at that. Thanks, buddy. So a lot going on at CFB. And whenever you go over there for anything, please make sure you use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. Yeah, we've got another sweet announcement. Those are those are our usual two housekeeping things. We have a third housekeeping thing to take care of here. And that is that we have partnered with a merchandise website called T Public. Um, so we are launching that today, the day that you download the episode. Uh, this is Monday, June 21st. Uh, so we've got a lot of sweet stuff over there with our logo on it. T-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, stickers, pins, all that stuff is available. Uh, it's launching today. We'll have a link in the show notes and on our website, lordsoflimited.com, um, that'll send you on over to T Public to, to shop and figure out what you want over there. Um, and also, we're, we're announcing that there's a site-wide sale on Wednesday, June 23rd. So if you're interested in shopping, um, probably should just wait a couple days and hop on over on the 23rd and take advantage of the site-wide sale and grab that sweet, sweet LOL merch. Yeah, I am looking forward to owning a Lords of Limited hoodie. That is something I have wanted and have not had access to. Yeah, agreed. And I think in the future, uh, there's a lot of sweet stuff that we are talking to T Public about. So we're going to have some other stuff rolling out as well in the future. But for for now, just starting with the classic LOL logo on a, a handful of products. So hopefully folks are going to enjoy that. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. So let's start before we dive into these six draft logs and deck picks, talking about team draft basics for folks who maybe aren't familiar with how the format works. Yeah, so team draft is essentially six people and it's three on three. So you're in two teams of three and you sit alternating from each other. So like, for example, our team was me, Ethan and Alex. And then the other team, team resources was Marshall, LSV and BK. So it was me passing to LSV who is passing to Ethan, like your sandwich, right? You're never sitting next to your teammates. Right. A, B, A, B, A, B is, I think, a way to think about it. That's a much clearer way to explain (laughs) it. Look at you go. So obviously that's different than drafting, right? That's different than just eight people on their own separate journeys. Certainly different than league play, where then even after you're done with the draft, then you may not even be paired against anyone that you drafted with. But here, you know, not only the people you're passing to and the people who are passing to you are going to be your opponents, right? So you know you're going to be playing against the people sitting next to you and the people at your table and that all the cards opened at the table are potentially going to be seen in the games. Right. So it's very zero sum in terms of taking things that are good so that the other team doesn't have them. Like, you know, in normal draft pods, you're incentivized to not hate, right? Especially in leagues. Like, you should just never hate in leagues, which is why people end up with more high-powered decks on Arena, partially because of the strength of the draft pod sometimes. But you also just never hate draft, right? Because there's just zero incentive to do it. But in team draft, there's a pretty high incentive to make sure that busted cards don't end up on the other team's you know deck right so there's there's the idea of just taking raw power cards so that other people don't get them but also so that maybe you can play them there's also the concept of like the hook and cut which i think may be a little outdated in terms of modern limited but you know you know you send some black cards to the person to your left and that's you know your your opponent and then you start taking black cards from them so you make them think that they can draft black but in reality you're cutting black from them right and that was one thing that we talked about specifically for this draft format especially because there was such an abundance of fixed like we did very little we didn't do a meeting this time around you know we did very little group prep chat as far as that sort of thing but we did talk about the idea of you know there's so much fixing and the archetypes are so easy and overlapping that you could splash cards that we felt like it was going to be pretty hard to actively cut people out of good decks 
Right. And so the other thing that you can think about in terms of what you're passing in team draft is not only hating the stuff from your opponents, but this concept of floating, which is, so if I can get a card that I think is good for a deck that my teammate is drafting to them, that's a real boon, right? So if I can, if I'm passing to Marshall, who's passing to Alex, well then maybe Marshall, I think Marshall's going to take card X and that means Alex can take card Y. Right. But that's pretty difficult to do because if you're wrong... It's disastrous if yes, you're wrong. <laughs> exactly right. But that is something to think about in team drafting. And I think the last thing is, you know, you you have to remember what you passed because then at the end of the draft, you get to talk to your teammate, right? So you're still playing your own deck, right? The deck you drafted, but then you still get to go, okay, I passed this card. Do you guys have it? No. Well, that means that LSV has it because I passed it in pack two. So that means he has it. So then we start to piece together the decks that we think they have based on what we pass to them. Right. One of the first things I typed in our group chat when the draft was done was LSV might have a flame tongue yearling that I passed pack three, which it turned out he did. Yes. And that I passed a red wrath to BK potentially that he didn't end up taking. But I passed uh, Fast and Furious, which is a split card. And the Furious side of it is three red red deal three damage to each creature. Non-flying creature, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I ended up having to hate that because my deck ended up being very low to the ground and I was terrified <laughs> about facing that card. So th- those are the things that you, you have to think about. So it is a lot more like, you know, usually you want, you want to remember like the, the context of the packs and, and what's in them and, oh, this is going to wheel and, and I thought this might or this card is gone, yada, yada, to figure out your lane. But it's on a whole other like nth degree of that thought process and the things you have to keep track of in a team draft. Right, there are a lot of layers, a lot of rabbit holes to go down. So, you know, like you said, we didn't really do this is the the fourth time we've done this. And for each other one, I think we've all been you know, I think we're the tryhards, I think has sort of been our label. <laughs> and you know, we 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 get out we have a, like an hour, hour and a half meeting beforehand, talk about, you know, are there different strategies, you know, for the Kaldheim team draft, I think that worked out really well in our favor, we, you know, decided that we all had to hate at least three snow lands, right? We knew there was a snow land in every pack, we didn't want someone to get a snow deck. So each one of us was responsible for drafting three snow lands throughout the draft. And I think that worked out pretty well in terms of train wrecking some snow strategies on the other side. Now, this time around, we didn't do that, right? We didn't do a meeting. And I think we just sort of were like, let's trust that we've all got the reps in with MH2 and that we're all going to do our thing. And one thing that you mentioned, I think that was important, you were like, I think we just have to draft functional decks. And I think that has been a problem for us in the past. Sometimes we've nailed it, sometimes we haven't. But we, we've, we I think, maybe focused a little too much on negating some power level on the other side rather than making sure our decks are powerful themselves. Right. And especially in something like Modern Horizons 2, where, you know, if you get one of the linear decks that's highly synergistic, it doesn't really matter what your opponent's deck is doing as long as your deck can do the thing. Like the decks that do a thing are much better than the piles of cards that are splashing in my experience in the format. Yeah. And I don't know if this was a conscious decision for you, but it certainly was for me that I was really sort of blown away by what happened to us in the Strixhaven team draft. And for folks who don't know, we got absolutely ranched by team resources in the Strixhaven team draft. They 5-0'd us right out the gate. We managed to grab a couple <laughs> wins as we you know, got to, to the 2-7 and seven record we ended with in that one. But both BK and LSV 3-0'd with aggressive Lorehold and Silver Quill decks, respectively. And I was just really impressed by that as, as far as a team draft strategy. I think team draft in general is thought to be slower than draft because you know the card pool is smaller and that's something we should touch on as well right there's six less packs opened at the table so that means your card quality is lower you have like less chance for you know opening those synergistic commons or whatever that you normally do at an eight person pod and so 
I think normally you think, oh, aggressive decks aren't going to be a thing in a team draft, but they really were in the Strixhaven draft, and I uh, really took that to heart, I think, a little bit for this draft. Well, I don't know if it was conscious on my part, but there is, you know, it is zero sum, right? So if you end up with a low curve cards, that's less low drops for you know, your your enemies, as it were. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I think also, if you don't see powerful stuff in the draft, right, if you're not opening bombs or getting past bombs, and you're rarely going to get past bombs, I think the best option to do is to draft an aggressive deck, because like, you just want the game to end so that people don't get to maximize their powerful stuff, you know? Right, yeah. All right, so Ben, we've got you uh, locked and loaded up here first. So why don't you, uh, we'll, we'll take you through the draft here, but it's going to be a little different, right? We're, I think we want to get more of the sense of the flow of the whole table, really more of a sense of like the key team draft decisions throughout each of the six drafts. So this is going to be, it's a round table-ish, but it's going to be a different flow of things, I think, this time around. Right, yeah. We're going to more try to tell a story rather than dive into the analysis of every pick like we would in a normal round table. Right. So pack one, pick one. I opened a pretty busted rare in Chitter Spitter. This was two green artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can sacrifice a token. If you do put an acorn counter on Chitter Spitter, squirrels you control get plus one, plus one for each acorn counter on Chitter Spitter. And you can pay green tap, make a one, one squirrel creature token. This card's busted. One of the things I didn't understand with this card was that you can, after making your first squirrel, on upkeep, you can pump your squirrels by making a token with summoning sickness and then sacrificing the one that has summoning sickness. The card is just an absurd bomb. Yeah, I was watching some of your games as I finished my rounds a little bit before you, and I was noticing you do that with this card, and it was impressive to me. I hadn't really seen that play pattern before, but it's really, really sweet. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I passed a bunch of good stuff. So there were three great black uncommons in Bone Shredder. That's two and a black, one, one flyer with Echo, two and a black. And when it ETBs, destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature. Card's not great in the format because, you know, the Just Guy colors have artifacts, so you can't kill those. And then black stuff, you obviously can't kill. So it's very good against green decks. But other than that, it's a little sus in the format. Um, there's a Flay Essence, one black, black, sorcery, exile target creature, planeswalker, and you gain life equal to the number of counters on it. Just a very strong removal spell. And then also a Violin Tumor, two black, black, two, two, death touch. When it ETBs, search your library for a card, put that card in your graveyard, then shuffle. It's a really key piece to the graveyard deck, specifically black-white reanimator. And there's also a combine chrysalis. It's blue-green for an artifact. Creature tokens you control have flying, and you can pay two green-blue tap, sack a token, make a 4-4 green beast creature token, and then you activate that only as a sorcery. So a lot of busted uncommons there. I was expecting LSV to either take combine chrysalis or take a black card and try to hook cut you. Um, because there were so many good black cards here. So I was I, that's what I was noting in this first pick. And does, how is that going to influence you in the future? Any Anything in particular that might make you do? Or are you just saying, I'm going to note that and see how that applies down the road? Yeah, see how it applies down the low road. I wasn't too worried about Combine Crystals because I was pretty locked into, I'm going to be playing Chitter Spitter, and so I'm incentivized to take green cards already. So I just wanted to be aware of the black and potentially either move into black myself or make sure I wasn't passing a lot of good black. Makes sense. All right, so moving on to pack one, pick two. Pretty weak pack here. Honestly, the best cards in the pack are Wave Sifter. It's three blue-green for a 3-2 flyer. When ETBs, you investigate twice, um, which are clue tokens that you can sacrifice to draw cards. Or you can evoke it for blue-green to just make those two clue tokens. There's also an Arcbound Wealth in the pack. That's three and a red for a 2-2 modular flying, and you can pay red to give it plus one, plus O until end of turn. 
past that, like there's some medium cards. Chrome Courier is a 1-1 flyer that sort of replaces itself when it ETBs. There's Smell Fear as a green removal spell. One green sorcery proliferate. Target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control. Like a lot of medium stuff that you could make a case for here. But Wave Sifter being green and matching up with my Chitter Spitter there led me to make that pick. Well, and also... That is the best card to follow up with the Combine Chrysalis. And I assume, you know, th- I think there's a little bit about we we sort of know our opponents at this point. Like we know the play styles of LSV and BK and, and Marshall to an extent or their draft styles. Like I assume LSV is most going to be most attracted to Combine Chrysalis of the cards you passed initially. And Wave Sifter pairs well with that like really, really well. Right. There's definitely something to be said for not passing Wave Sifter after passing Combine Chrysalis, for sure. And we're not passing any good black here, which is great. Right. So moving on to pack one, pick three, another super weak pack where I took Arcbound Prototype as what I thought just the best card in the pack. It was one in a white for a 2-2 modular. I think it's the best white common, and I think it's one of the most synergistic cards. The rest of the cards in the pack are honestly super junky. So after three picks, I've got the Chitter Spitter, the Wave Sifter, and the Prototype. Pack one, pick four is pretty empty there's a batter bone here two mana artifact living weapon equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has vigilance and lifelink and it has an equip cost of five so like a mini batter skull i have found that card to be like find a good in the format but nothing special so cards like that in my mind in the format it's just not super synergistic right and you want to end up with a very synergistic deck so like rawly powerful cards that don't have a lot of synergy are a little awkward in the format because it's powerful but not quite powerful enough to trump the good synergy i i just don't think this card is very good personally i have found the two mana one one lifelink up front to be not impactful and equip five to be way too expensive and then tack on the fact all the things you said about it not being synergistic and this is one of i think the differences of our team versus their team i got the sense from re-watching the vods that bk likes batterbone and lsv when he got it next pack one pick five remarked like wow this seems too late for this card right so possible i should have taken it there um my my thinking was in taking dark moss bridge here i wanted to be able to play wave sifter and you know chitter spitter wants me to be green black so if i weren't and i Black didn't feel like it was flowing a ton to me right now. So if I wasn't moving into black, I wanted to make sure if I had to hate a black card or something from LSV that I was able to play it with Dark Moss Bridge. I also thought the artifact lands were going to be pretty high picks. So this is the black green one. I figured they would be high picks because I figured people would be wanting to splash because they would be trying to hate cards or, you know, play cards that they had hated from other people. But it didn't turn out to be the case. There were a lot of lands opened, it felt like, and they were flowing around the table pretty heavily. Yeah, I think I took one artifact land throughout the whole draft and, and ended up not playing it. I There's a lot of fixing floating around, but I do think, you know, there's a thought about, you know, a linear two color deck versus like a five color, four color soup in team draft and both probably viables more so in this format with all the fixing. But I, I don't know, it was something that I I think we may have had we done a meeting would have like really gotten down to, OK, what are our thoughts about how to prioritize these? What's the line where we have to take them? And I, th- I think I'm kind of glad we didn't end up doing that. Yeah, I think so, too. We just sort of all felt it out according to what we, you know, personally were doing. I ended up with six or seven of them that I played none of because I ended up in a very streamlined deck. So took that Dark Moss Bridge, pack one, pick four. Past that, I, I didn't have a lot of interesting things happen. Pack one, pick five. I took a Mist Vault Bridge, which is the blue black artifact dual land out of a pack with, again, like what I felt were not any key synergy cards Mm -hmm. and pack one pick six i picked up an arc bound mouser 
um, as uh, a white artifact creature that I thought was going to go along well with my Arcbound prototype. And I thought maybe I could get into a green-white counters deck at this point. And I was noting that there was going to be a smell fear that I could potentially wheel. And that if that wheeled, that was probably a sign that, you know, green-white proliferate counters was potentially open. So Arcbound Mouser is a, a single white 1-1 one, one modular and has lifelink. That was my pack one pick six. Pack one pick seven, I had a fairly interesting pick here. Um, so this is the wheel. You know, the wheel happens on pick seven, not pick nine in team draft because there's only six people. So this pack came back to me with all the black cards in it and violent tumor was still here, which means that somebody took bone shredder and somebody took flay essence. And so I was thinking that if LSV had gone into black, you know, potentially with the intention of hook cutting you, I really didn't want to pass LSV a violent tumor. So there was violent tumor, which is the two black black two two death touch that puts something in the yard versus fairgrounds patrol or jewel eyed cobra for me. And I just picked up those two modular creatures. So I was thinking fairgrounds patrol, you know. Uh, artifact flyers are pretty valuable in the modular deck to dump modular counters onto. So Fairgrounds Patrol is one white for a 2-1, and you can pay one and a white to exile it from your graveyard to make a 1-1 Thopter token. So that was sort of a tough pick there, and that's the kind of thing you face in team draft, right? Like if this is a normal draft, I'm just snapping Fairgrounds Patrol up here 10 out of 10 times without any thought to it, but I actually ended up taking the Violin Tumor over the Fairgrounds Patrol to not potentially let LSV have that. Turns out, uh, as we'll see in a second, that LSV was not drafting black, but that's what my thought process was. And you do wield that smell fear pick eight. You also get a guardian Kirin pick 10. That's three and a white for a two, three flyer. Whenever another creature you control dies, put a plus and plus one counter on it. And that's the kind of pick, I think, or that's the kind of like late-ish card that feels signally to me in team draft. When you get like commons you're happy with almost on the like double wheel, I think that means that that color might be open. Yeah, so smell fear pack one pick eight really was like okay green white counters is probably where i'm gonna be and then i got the kieran and the dagger tooth pick 11 and a deep wood denizen pick 12 both of which go into that archetype and jewel eyed cobra pick 13 so I, I was feeling great about locking into green white at this point and then pack two you just got the nuts here yeah i open arcus acolyte which is the the green white gold uncommon it's green white for a 2-2 reach lifelink with Outlast of a green-white hybrid, and each other creature you control without a plus-one, plus-one counter on it has Outlast for green-white hybrid mana as well. So I picked that, and that was just solidified into green-white. One consideration here was, chat was telling me, you know, hey, you should wield the Arcus Acolyte, right? Just try to float it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that, because there's also a couple of other cards that are very good in the pack. There's Ignoble Hierarch, which is green for an 01 Exalted that taps for Jund mana. And then there's Ren's Run Hydro for green X reach, enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And you can also reinforce X, which is green, green X. You can discard it to put X plus one plus one counters on target creature. So Ren's Run Hydro, I think, is probably less likely to wield an Arcus Acolyte because it's only one color and it's a powerful card. But the Arcus Acolyte is so good for my deck that if it doesn't wheel, it's just an absolute disaster, right? And there's also a chance that somebody's just going to hate it because it's a very good card. So I think here I'm supposed to just take the best card for my deck. And then there's also, I'm very likely to wheel a green card that I want because there's the Hierarch, the Rensrod Hydra, and a Smell Fear again. Yeah, I think the, the last consideration there that you haven't mentioned yet is I think there's a difference if it's pack three, pick one, and people have more solidified. But pack two, pick one, as you'll see, and even the cases for Ben here, like he thinks he's green-white counters, but we're all largely still feeling stuff out. You're, no one's really locked in to a two-color deck at this point, and Arcus Act 
Acolyte is definitely splashable in a very splashy format. So I, I like the pick here. Yeah. So took the Arcus Acolyte and then pack two was fairly straightforward. Like I got a lot of good green and white cards yeah. uh, for my deck. Bannerhide Crew Shock is three and a green, four, four trample, reinforce two for one and a green, which means you can discard it to put those two plus one plus one counters on a creature. It also has scavenge for five GG to exile it from your graveyard and put plus one plus one counters equal to its power on target creature. Card is just a house in the format. It's the best green common by a significant margin and as a real threat yeah and then you end up wheeling ren's run hydra for your deck as well in pack two pick seven yeah so felt great about pack two and i was very locked into green white after pack two pack three pick one i faced a super interesting decision um so there's nothing really in the pack for me the best card in the pack for me is like yavamaya elder or arcbound mouser so yavamaya elders one gg for a two one when it dies, you search your library for up to two basic lands, put them in your hand, and you can also pay two sack it to draw a card. Card's fine, but not super synergistic. Um, so basically, I'm I'm hating a card here, but the question is what and or why? So there's several cards that are awesome in the pack. There's Priest of Fell Rites, which is the rare. White, black, for a 2-2, you can tap it, pay three life, sack it, return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it also has Unearth for three white black. There's a boatload of other things. There's a Flame Tongue Yearling, which is red red for a 2-1 multi-kicker 2 when ETBs uh, with a plus one plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. And when it ETBs, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature. That card's super busted. You know, one of the top 10 uncommons in the set, probably like top three or four, honestly. Yeah. And there's also a bunch of other good black and white cards. There's Scour the Desert, which is a reanimate uncommon three white white exile a creature from your graveyard make x11 bird flying tokens where x is that exiled card's toughness there's a late to dinner which is three and a white reanimate a creature make a food token there's tragic fall as a black removal spell one in a black instant target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn so i think i messed this up i ended up taking priest of fell rights here but i was looking at this and i was like i don't know what to do like i was just paralyzed i had no clue because I knew if LSV ended up with Flame Tongue Yearling, it was going to be great for him. If he ended up with Priest and it was good in his deck, it was going to be great for him. And I was also vaguely worried that LSV wasn't black and that you had moved into black. And I know you like Black White Reanimator. So I was a little worried that I was taking Priest away from you. It was just a messy situation. And I think I messed it up. I think the correct thing to do here is to take Flame Tongue Yearling. Because even if I take Priest... If LSV is black or white and or black white, he still gets a late to dinner or tragic fall. Like there's no way I can stop him from getting a good black or white card, but I can take the flame tongue yearling as the only good red card in the pack. Right. And even if you think he's black, you don't have any reason to think he's black white, considering that like white feels open for you, you know? Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a tough pick for sure. I, yeah. I don't know what I would have done in the moment. You have no reason to think he's red also. Right. That was what I decided. And then I, so I was thinking, well, if Ethan's red, like I thought maybe I could get it around him to you if you were red, but I, I don't know. It was a it's tough a, pick. It's a tough pick for sure. But beyond that, you get a really just good streamlined green white deck i mean i think you might arguably have the best deck at the table i think that's probably true and i faced a similar hating pick in pack three pick two where i ended up taking a banner hide crew shock for my deck which is that four mana four four trample with all the abilities over some other black and white cards because i came to the same conclusion correctly where there's a young necromancer in the pack which is a five mana two three that when it etbs you can exile two cards from your graveyard to return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield and a breathless knight the one white black two two flying lifelink that whenever it or another creature enter, enters the battlefield from a graveyard um it gets a plus one 
plus one counter. So I was like, okay, there's no way I can stop somebody from getting a good reanimator card here. So I should just take crew shock. And that's what I should have done the pick before. But yeah, it's a little slow to realize it. Well, that's pretty sweet. So we started out there with Ben's deck and you can see we'll have all the links to the draft logs and the deck picks uh, where you download the show so you can play along at home as much as you'd like. But yeah, Ben's green white deck looks I mean, it looks like a draft deck, honestly, from like a normal eight person pod, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I was very happy with where I ended up. So let's see what happens down the road, right, with LSV. So we're going to get to see all the things that you did, I guess, slash me in pack two, passing to him on the left. But let's let's dive into pack one, pick one. He grabs a card that he ends up playing and that is very, very impressive, which is Gaia's Will. This is a sorcery, suspend four for a single green, and it's essentially Yawgmoth's Will, right? Until end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard if a card will be put in to your graveyard from anywhere this turn exile that card instead so you get to cast this for free like four turns after you suspend it and it was really impressive in his deck i thought this card was like draft chaff but it's like bomb status i think yeah it's very very good yeah so in he's passing not really anything exciting this pack is pretty weak he passes a, a constable of the realm this is four and a white for a three three with renown two and whenever one or more plus and plus one counters are put on constable of the realm you exile up to one other target non-land permanent until this card leaves the battlefield seal of removal the blue bounce enchantment um, but there's not a lot here that he's passing, I think. No, I agree. I would have also taken guys will pack one, pick one. So then we're going to see this story unfold. Pack one, pick two. He sees those three black uncommons, right, that you talked about. But he takes the combine chrysalis as a follow up to his green rare. Right, which makes total sense for him here. Mm-hmm. And then again, he gets to do the thing that you thought you might be doing, which is, oh, I'm passing Ethan three black uncommons. And maybe I can, you know, use that information to hook and cut him down the road. Well, and also... This actually ends up having a, a ripple effect for Marshall as well. So you are passing to Marshall. So Marshall actually ends up being the person that gets kind of hooked into black and then cut by you mm-hmm. drafting black ahead of him, right? So in team draft, you're trying to position yourself to be drafting the color that well, at least one or both of the colors that the person to your left is drafting. Right. There's like a there's a, a thought about like, you know, it, it, even if you go one, two, if the person you're passing to goes oh three or whatever, that's still a win for you. Right. If you make their deck actively worse, hard to do, but you can do it. And this is one of the ways to do so. Right. And so one of the other things that's interesting to note about team draft, right? Like I assumed that LSV was black based on passing all that good black. And maybe I should have kept more open in my mind that he could be blue green with a combine chrysalis. But you don't know what the people to your left open, which is why like the floating stuff is so dangerous sometimes, right? Because yeah, if LSV opens a black card here, or maybe even another color card that's not blue or green, like if he's got a white or a red card, he almost certainly takes, you know, one of these black cards or the unholy heat or something. It's so difficult to know for sure what your neighbor takes unless the pack is bad and there's only like one actively great card that you're passing, right? Right, exactly. So pack one, pick three, we see that pack with the Arcbound Wealth. That's the four mana red modular flyer with fire breathing. He, he likes to take Chrome Courier over that, the three mana one, one cantripping artifact in white blue. Um, and th- this pack is like a lot of the packs in this draft specifically, I think either fluctuate from tons of busted cards in it or very medium flat power level. And I think this is one of the latter packs. Yeah, and I think you can make a case for a lot of cards here, like totally fine to take Chrome Courier. Yeah, so the next pack, he sees a similar thing. He grabs an Ethereum Spinner. That's two and a blue for a 2-1. Whenever you cast a spell with mana value four or greater, you make a 1-1 Thopter. And so he's, you know, he's you know on the road for a little blue-green 
tokeny thing right now. Like we said, he he mentioned that the batter bone felt late to him pack on pick five. He grabbed that. And then he goes on a bit of a land spree here, right? And he gets he gets an Arid Mesa and a Rustvale Bridge. So the red-white fetch land and then the red-white artifact land without any actual, I mean, he has the white-blue in Chrome Courier, but without any red yet. Right, yeah. He, he does remark that Arid Mesa plays nicely with the guy as well, but that's a little cute. But now he gets hooked up with a Foundry Helix pack on pick eight for some red-white action, right? One red-white instant as an additional cost to cast it, sack a permanent, and then you deal four. And if the sacked permanent was an artifact, you gain four as well. And it's a pretty powerful removal spell, and he was happy to pick it up. But the, the rest of the pack largely is, is bad for him with him grabbing a couple red-green lands along the way. Right. I think LSV had some pretty stinky packs here and did a good job setting himself up to be able to take advantage of good cards from future packs as well as splash a lot. And I think that bore itself to fruition in his deck being very powerful and splashing and having great mana as well. Yeah. So, you know, he he does set himself up here nicely. Pack two, pick one. He gets a busted uncommon for his deck. Tireless Provisioner. Two and a green for a three, two with Landfall either make a food token or a treasure token. Really, really strong. And then he gets, you know, he gets another Chrome Courier out of a weak pack. He gets an Unholy Heat, which he set up to splash if he thinks he's base green-blue, right? The red deal two, or if you have Delirium, it deals six instead. And then, boy, howdy, Ben. Pack two, pick four, as Ben wrote in our show notes. How did this happen? He gets a Fey Offering, pick four. Two and a green for an enchantment at the beginning of each end step. If you've cast both a creature spell and a non-creature spell this turn, you make a clue, food, and treasure token. And as we talked about last week, that is one of the top 10 uncommons in the set. Yeah, card is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's maybe top 10 to 20 cards in the format, to be honest. Like, it's so synergistic, right? Mm -hmm. This is everything you want to do and it's good in every green deck except maybe green white and it's probably still fine there as well but like you're thrilled with this in green blue green red and green black i think cards just super super strong so yeah i was i was reviewing draft logs and i was very concerned that my two teammates <laughs> passed a fate offering to us we pick four <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about those decisions as we get to my draft and alex's draft as well and and you know you may have some some hand slapping to do there <laughs> But we'll see. Uh, so yeah, that's a really, really nice piece for LSV to get, especially in conjunction with the Combine Chrysalis. So I think he's basically just off to the races here in terms of being green-blue and set up to splash. Pack 2, pick 7, he wheels Ornithopter of Paradise. That's a 2-mana 0-2 flyer tapped add 1 mana of any color. We sort of poo-pooed this last week, but I do think this rises in estimation quite a bit in Team Draft where you expect to be a little bit of a 3-plus color soup deck. Yeah, and one of the other things is LSV gets another Foundry Helix here, pack 2, pick 10. And those mm-hmm. play very, very well with his Gaia's will, right? Yes. Because, you know, he can replay the land that he's sacrificed or whatever permanent he's sacrificed, as well as recast the Foundry Helix. So that is a lot of damage to the dome, potentially, you know, with Foundry Helix being drawn as Gaia's will, you know, is about to go off there. Absolutely. And then it all really comes together for him at the beginning of pack three, right? You know, he's got powerful stuff. He's got Fey Offering and Combine Chrysalis and Gaia's will. But pack three, pick one, he opens a flame tongue yearling, Ben. And we know what's going to happen pack three, pick two. Right, yeah. So pack three, pick one. And he has a tough choice here. Like, there's not a great card in the pack for him. And I think flame tongue yearling is the best card in the pack. So he takes it. And then I make that mistake where I, I and even not knowing, like, the, this is what happened here. I think I was supposed to take flame tongue yearling. But he gets past the flame tongue yearling that I opened pack three, pick one as well. So ends up with two flame tongue yearlings. And I was like, 
all right, guess I'm playing red and guess I'm playing these flame tongue yearlings. And the lands that he picked up in pack one really enabled him to do that and still have a great mana base. And he gets a, a second Ornithopter of Paradise pick three and a Rift Sower pick four, which is the two energy one three tapped out of mana of any color with suspend two. So he's really well set up in the fixing department, gets a Misty Rainforest, the green blue fetch land pick six. Um, so yeah, really, really well set up with his mana to take advantage of not only opening the flame tongue yearling, but getting past it uh, by you. Yeah. And he ends up in a great multicolor control deck. Yes. Alex faced him round one lost and he was just like, yo, LSV's deck is busted, <laughs> which again, then I was feeling like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, because you, know, like, <laughs> you have a responsibility, right? For the yes. person you're passing to to not let them get a good deck. But it's so hard in this format to have cut someone out of a deck like that. The biggest punt for me, I think, was not taking Flame Tongue Yearling pack three pick one. But again, how can you know? I mean, I guess LSV is going to take it anyway, given his you know, positioning, he's probably less inclined maybe to take it had he not gotten the first one. But yeah, I mean, it's just also there's a lot of luck there in terms of what if those Rustville bridges, right, those green red dual lands were green black dual lands instead or something, you know, and then he can't read he's not as well set up with his mana to cast those yearlings. Sure. But the difference is that I couldn't ultimately cut someone out of a good black or white card, right? And I could stop someone from getting a good red card for sure. So it's not that I know LSV is red or is going to be able to use the flame tongue yearling very well. That's the reasoning. It's yeah. that I can't stop someone from taking a great black or white card out of the pack, even though I took a black, white, gold card. Are you ready for my messy draft, baby? <laughs> I am ready. Let's do it. OK, so pack one, pick one. It's a clear pick for me here. I think I, I assume you agree. Tireless provisioners in this pack. Again, that three mana, three, two landfall, make a food or a treasure token. Yep. Slam dunk pack one, pick one over banner hide crew shock as the next best card, probably, which also in team draft is great, right? Like you want to be taking a color and then the next best card be of that color. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like that is a nice thing to do. And maybe, you know, Marshall takes the crew shock and I can cut him out of green or whatever. But as we know, I'm not going to get into green because Ben is green and LSV is green. And as you will see, I don't see any green cards in this pack and, and have to move off of it. Pack one pick two. Again, we know the, the power level of this pack is weak. I ended up taking Constable of the Realm because uh, like, you know, if I get into green white, it can be good with the countery stuff. But I don't know. Would you have taken something different here? No, I think Constable of the Realm is the best card in the pack by a significant margin. I felt kind of awkward about it because it's been it's felt dangerous. That yeah. Like, OK, if I do these things and I exile these cards and my opponents kill my constable, they're going to get all these ETB triggers because I have played with it a couple times. But uh, one thing I was talking to Beers SC about in chat um, was that you really want to prioritize blacksmith skill. If you have Ooh. this card and in the green white tokens deck in general, because a lot of times you end up with, you know, a protect the queen situation and then yeah. blacksmith skill is just absurd. And that card has borne itself out in the format, I think, to be very good. Well, that's smart. Yeah, I hadn't quite considered that. Um, and then pack one pick three, we get to this glut of black cards, right? Bone Shredder, Flay Essence, Violent Tumor. I take what I believe to be the best of those three, which is Flay Essence. Yeah. And then you, again, like this is great because twice now, like you've taken Provisioner past Crew Shock. And now you're taking Flay Essence, passing Bone Shredder, Violent Tumor. So that gives you two opportunities to potentially put Marshall into a color and then be drafting that color ahead of him. Exactly. Pack one, pick four. Nothing good here. I take the Arcbound Whelp. That's the modular red flyer. And now we're we're in a great spot here. Four colors and four picks. Just exactly where you want to be. 
<laughs> I bet you were sweating profusely at this point. Yeah, I was really cranky. I was like, oh, man, this is like going horribly for me. I'm feeling at sea. Maybe we should have done our little testing meeting. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, pack one, pick five, another very weak pack. I elect to take the artifact land here, uh, the Rust Vale Bridge, which is the red, white tap land. You know, I just seen the the modular dragon and i was like well maybe i could get into like red white aggro and red white might care about affinity and so the artifact land could be good yeah seems like seems fine pack one pick six nothing again take another red card the scophos reaver two in a red two three as long as it's your turn it gets plus two plus oh and it has madness for one in a red and so i'm feeling a little lost here ben I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, there's just not been great options for you. I'm with you pick for pick. I think pick five rather than the duel. I might have taken Necromancer's Familiar or something. That's the the four mana three one flyer. Um, It's a discard outlet for madness. But I mean, your picks in pick five and pick six are not consequential to the overall direction of your draft, I think, no matter what you end up taking here. Right. And then, you know, pick seven, wheel a marble gargoyle, which is the 2-2 flyer that can uh, pump its toughness for a single white. I'm thinking at this point, like, I'm not seeing anything good, so I, I got to try and get into some aggro deck. If I learn nothing from the Strixhaven showdown, it's that flying is good and limited. So take the marble gargoyle. And then this is where it starts to come together for me. Pack one, pick eight, Underworld Hermit comes around. So that's four black, black, three, three. When it ETBs, you make a number of one one squirrels equal to your devotion to black. And then they get back to back sack outlets in Vermin Gorgers, pick nine and pick 10, which is the one in a black two, two tap sack another creature. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Get some sack fodder in Nested Shambler, pick 11, one mana one, one. When it dies, you make a, a number of one, one squirrels equal to its power. Pack one, pick 12, almost on the double wheel, Legion Vanguard, one in a black two, two, pay one, sack another creature, it explores. So this is kind of a pretty sick run on the wheel for me in terms of figuring out what's open. Right. This is maximum synergy here, five picks in a row. And I actually saw this stuff going around in my draft as well. And I thought about jumping ship to try to get into green black at this point because the vermin gorgers go so well with chitter spitter, right? Yeah. Like it's just a very nice thing. And that's kind of what green black wants to do. That's where vermin gorgers best home is. So I'm glad that you ended up in this because while I was drafting, I was really panicked that LSV was snapping up Hermit Gorger Gorger. So it's great that it's stuff made it past him and it's made its way to you. Pack one, pick 15, I get Fairgrounds Patrol. So last pick, I get the white 2-1 that you can exile to make a Thopter from your graveyard. So that made me feel like, all right, maybe I should go into black-white. But I, I just knew I was black at this point and who knows what my second color is. But then what solidifies it, well, sort of, is pack two, pick two, I get Abiding Grace, which is two and a white enchantment at the beginning of your end step. Choose one, you gain a life, or return a creature card with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield. And that goes really well in this like sort of, you know, second tier black white deck. Like tier one, black white wants to be reanimator. Tier two, it can do this sacrifice thing with one drops, Abiding Grace, and Vermin Gorgers. Well, but even if you get there, it's not tier two, right? If you end up with any deck that's high synergy, it's very powerful in the format. Yes. And then let's let's talk about pack two, pick three. So this is how LSV, <laughs> at least for, for my perspective, this is how LSV gets Fey offering. So I see the pack and there are three cards I'm looking at. One is Clattering Augur, one on a black, one, one, camp block, ETBs, you draw a card and you lose life and you can pay two black, black to return it from your graveyard to your hand. 
this is a great piece in the sacrifice deck, right? Yeah, very, very, very good. And then I see Fey Offering, and then next to Fey Offering is Herd Bailoth. So this is 3GG for a 4-4 beast. Whenever one or more plus and plus one counters are put on Herd Bailoth, you may create a 4-4 green beast creature token. And so my first thought when I saw this pack was, I have to hate Fey Offering. Like, I know green is cut, so that either means Ben or LSV is in green, right? I didn't see any green in pack one. So I have to hate Fey Offering because it's so busted. Slash, I'm setting myself up to be an aggro deck. And if LSV takes Fey Offering, I cannot beat this card, right? A stream of uh, food tokens is going to crush me. Yes. But then I, the more I looked at this pack, the more I was like, look, Clattering Augur 1 is a very good card for my deck. And 2, I, you know, what, what happens if, let's say, and, and this is what happened, right? You were in a green counters deck. And LSV was in a green pile tokens deck. And so what happens if I hate the wrong card here, right? What happens if I hate Fey Offering and LSV is in the counters deck and then he gets Herd Bailoth and then now I've hated Fey Offering from you, which feels pretty disastrous. That is pretty disastrous. And I was also thinking, well, you know, I could take a green card here, Black Flowed, pack one. I could probably wheel Clattering Augur. And if not, there's another Vermin Gorger in the pack, which I'd be happy with. So that was another consideration. But I don't know. I, you know, I think you're going to land on the side of I should have hated Fate Offering here. I, that was my initial instinct. And then it felt close. And then I decided to say, look, it feels really bad if I make the wrong hate here and take a card away from you. So I just let the two green cards go by. Yeah, that's fair. I think the counterpoint I would make to that is that, again, like I think Fey Offering's busted. Mm-hmm. And I think LSV is has a proclivity for drafting decks that Fey Offering yes. would be good in, I think, for sure. And then it's also just super splashable, right? Like I think it is very powerful in a lot of decks in the format and is very splashable. So I think it's just dangerous, I think, to let it go to LSV. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would have taken it. And I think you're very likely to wield the Clattering Augur. That's true. I, d- I do think that's true. So I-, I think if I could go back, I would hate the Fey Offering here. And I would assume that Augur wheels. But I don't know. Maybe, you know, we'll see. BK, I think, would have taken this Clattering Augur and used it to great effect as well. Ooh, yeah, that's so true. I don't sure. know if it would have floated to me uh, around the table. But anyway, yeah. And and the Augur ended up being quite good for my deck. But Fey Offering ended up being quite quite good for lsv as we uh yep. as we know um so you know we can we can round this out i I'd made a couple hate picks snagged a terramorph from lsv next pick which was a, a a fixer that he would have definitely liked three and a green search your library for a basic land put it onto the battlefield and it has rebound so you get to cast it for free the following turn and then i also hated a fast and furious that's little red sweeper we talked about pick six just because i was like oh i can't beat this card my deck is all ground creatures that are one and two toughness and then i you know i still wasn't quite sure what my second color was i assumed it was going to be white but uh, that got solidified when i opened a thraben watcher two white white two two flying vigilance other non-token creatures you control get plus one plus one and have vigilance yeah card is super good and then i got really lucky going into pack three i was like i don't have the one drops for abiding grace it's in my sideboard and then i just got to like wham bam float a bunch of one drops around the table at the end so i got a mere scrappling pick five and then got another Vermin Gorger, so that's a full play set for folks following along, and then got pick 10, pick 11, Nested Shamblers, which felt sick. Yeah, that is very, very good. So no rares to speak of in my pile, but like four one drops, Abiding Grace, four Vermin Gorgers of Sack Outlets, plus the that Vanguard that explores, um, a couple loadsome curators at the top, the five mana five four with Menace, and then you can sack a creature when it comes into play to kill a three mana value or less creature that your opponent has and this like this deck performed pretty darn well it looks like it was highly synergistic and you know worth noting the pack three pick 10 you took nested shambler 
the the single black one one when it dies you make a squirrel over breathless night the the one black white two two flying lifelink like breathless night's a significantly better card right but not for your deck that is the crux of this format right 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 you want to make sure that your deck takes cards that work well together and combine them into a super powered machine well and at that point i felt pretty clear that like black felt very open the whole table for me mostly and that's largely because as we'll see the only other real i mean the two black drafters were, were down the road for me which were marshall and bk but you know bk ends up in a little bit of a soup and and marshall i think you know being directly to my left gets sort of cut out of black as we'll see yep so moving on to marshall's drafts this is you passing to marshall pack one pick one marshall opens an urza saga which must is be like, nice <laughs> holy cow right one of the best rares in the set uh, taps to add colorless and second chapter it gains two tap make a construct um, that gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control and on the third chapter you get to search your library for an artifact with a cost of zero or one and put it onto the battlefield so card is absurd bomb rare um, and you really want to play it ideally in some sort of a jeskai artifact shell moving on to pack one pick two marshall's got like a super junky pack here there's nothing great this was the pack where we thought he would take Krushok, right because i took the tracker right you took the tracker and i think bannershide Krushok is the best card in the pack the four mana four four trample um there's also a necromancer's familiar in the pack as a very you know Good card, good discard outlet. It's a little awkward in that you have to pay one to discard a card and you want your discard outlets to be free in the Madness deck, in my experience, just because, you know, that deck's an aggro deck and the the difference between getting your creature out of turn sooner with a free discard outlet is pretty important. But uh, it's four mana, three one flying. Hellbent has lifelink as long as you have no cards in hand and you can pay black discard a card to give it indestructible until end of turn and then you have to tap it as part of that cost. So he, he takes that and I, I went back and watched his draft and he, I think it was either in this pick or the next pick where he was like, maybe we can just be the madness drafter. We can just cut this deck and he knows that it's a good deck in the format which i agree red black madness is very good and he was like maybe i can just get into this deck and be like a linear two color deck right so pack one pick three moving along again like not a great pack and you know pretty clear choice for marshall in kitchen imp which is three and a black for a two two flying haste with madness of a black that feels like a great follow-up to necromancer's familiar mm-hmm. it's a little awkward in that like urza saga does not go well in a black deck at all but marshall's not seeing cards that are great for an artifact deck you could make a case that urza saga's busted enough that like pack one pick three he's supposed to take something like arcbound mouser which is mm-hmm. white for the one one modular lifelink just to give himself the best chance to maximize urza saga but i mean it's close and i think it's fine to go for a madness deck as well yeah and then moving on to pack one pick four we see that pack with all of the black cards um and this is where you took the flay essence which is that removal spell um, and so Marshall's got a choice between Bone Shredder and Violent Tumor for him here. And I think this is solidifying him into black, which is great for us because you're drafting black ahead of him, right? Right. Well, but I don't know that yet. But like, yes, that is what ends up happening. Right, right, right. So he ends up taking the Bone Shredder here over Violent Tumor. And then pack one, pick five. Again, there's like not a lot going on. He takes a Raving Visionary, which is the one in a blue one, one. You can pay blue tap, draw a card, discard a card. And then if you have Delirium, which is four or more card types in your graveyard, you can pay two and a blue to tap it to draw a card. Pack one, pick six, gets a Necromancer's Familiar, again, like out of a fairly junky pack. Um, so that's that 3-1 flyer that's the, the discard outlet. And then on the wheel, the pack rounds out with Marshall just getting super deep into black. He gets a Loathsome Curator, which is four and a black, 5-4 exploit um, and menace. And whenever it exploits a creature, which is sacrificing a creature when it ETBs, 
Um, you get a destroy target creature you don't control with mana value three or less. Picks up a glint blade prowler, which is two and a black for a two three. You can pay one tap, pay a life, draw a card, and activate that only if you've discarded a card this turn. So it goes well with his necromancers familiars. So Marshall's setting himself up to be some sort of a black discard deck whether it's black red or black blue yeah it's really rough for him because as we we were just looking through mine i was like man how does it's must marshall must get cut out of black at the end of pack one based on the wheels that i got but he doesn't like it makes sense to me where he's like yeah i think i i think i'm base black and who knows what's going to happen and that just ends up working out poorly for him based on me being directly to his right and cutting black right and you cut all of the like marshall's ending up with these kind of clunky ish black cards and you ended up with all this streamlined cheap synergistic black cards right exactly so moving into pack two it's not like he's not getting good stuff and as i said i watched his vod and at the end of pack two he was like i think we're getting kind of screwed in that he has all these discard outlets but he doesn't have any madness cards right he has the imp so far but he doesn't see any madness cards in pack two so he has all these discard outlets he has all column a but no column b and he was like we could see the madness stuff in pack three, but I don't think we will. And so he sort of knows what's happening here, but there's not much for him to do about it. And he does end up with, you know, I think a, a not great looking black red deck with a couple of madness cards, right? He does pick up a revolutionist as well, but not a lot of other stuff. So a lot of like column A, but no column B. Yeah, pretty tough spot to be in for Marshall. Let's take a look at what happened with Alex. So a nice pack one pick one for him down the road here uh to the left of marshall he gets karmic guide three white white two two flying pro black when it etbs return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield and it has echo three white white so then the next turn you have to pay that cost again or sacrifice it yeah card is primo primo and then worth noting that uh the next best card in the pack is lazatep chancellor that's blue black for a one three whenever you discard a card you can pay one if you do amass two and the next best card is Arcbound Prototype, which is one and a white for the 2-2 modular. And Alex does peg like he sent us some notes about his thoughts. And he was saying, you know, I expect BK to probably take Lazatep Chancellor. And then Ben ends up with Arcbound Prototype. And that is exactly how it panned out. Yeah. And so pack one pick two, he has an interesting choice here, knowing that he just passed a Chancellor. There's another one versus what he ends up taking, which is Bone Shard, single black sorcery as an additional cost to cast it, sack a creature, discard a card, and you get to destroy target creature or planeswalker. Ben has some uh, some thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I think Bone Shards is very good. And I think Alex is thinking, you know, Bone Shards is good with Karmic Guide. It's a discard outlet for, you know, things that you might want to reanimate. And it does go very well with his Karmic Guide. It's, I think, in team draft, pretty dangerous to pass the two Lazatep chancellors. And Alex said in the notes that he sent us, you know, hey, I'm noting that I'm passing the second chancellor to BK here. I think it's important enough that you should just take the Lazatep chancellor here because you don't know. I mean, you really want to be white with the karmic guide, but you're giving BK a pretty clear avenue with two Lazatep chancellors here. And that did end up being the case that he took both Lazatep chancellors and was like, okay, great. I'm jazzed to get these early. Like I'll probably do this thing. Yeah. I mean, is there any thought to, well, he knows now, like there's, in, there's, there's power in the knowledge of BK is blue black that he can then use to his advantage down the road. That's certainly true. Yeah. I do think there is something to that as well, right? Like you pass and maybe out and then maybe that's where Alex is thinking like, okay, I know I passed these two chancellors. I know BK is probably blue black. That is important in team draft. And then like you try to draft black above him and make sure that he doesn't end up with all the enablers for the last step chancellor. Certainly something you can think about. Yeah. And so if Alex moves into white, black, he's can 
can at least cut one of the two colors from BK, but I don't know. But then it's really only one pack. Cause like, I mean, team draft just happened so fast. Like we're, we're like, we're almost at, we're at pick three. And it's like, well, we're almost at the wheel here, basically. <laughs> like it, it just, it just moves fast. So, you know, Alex takes a, what I think is the best card out of pick three, he takes a banner hide crew shock, but then there's the, the Dehada's ploy in the pack as well, which I assume BK takes. That's one blue, black instant draw two, then discard a card and it has jumpstart. So just setting BK up with this blue black deck. Right. And BK is also aware while he's drafting is like, well, I'm getting all these blue black cards. I hope I'm not getting hook cut here because this is a pretty good start, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We we're going to see a string of weak packs as we know. So Alex ends up grabbing a white black artifact land pack one pick five. He takes a late to dinner here, three and a white return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, create a food token. And this is that, okay, this is that pack. This feels like the pack of, of pack one. This is the pack with all those black cards. So now violent tumor has made its way to Alex pack one, pick five. And that feels really dangerous to pass to BK, knowing that he's got blue, black card, blue, black card, blue, black card that all sort of care about discarding and graveyardy stuff to give him that versus taking late to dinner. Yeah, it feels very dangerous here. Alex was saying that, you know, he knows that it stinks to pass violent tumor here, considering he's expecting BK to be blue black. But again, we did say that we needed to end up with good decks, right? Yes. And late to dinner goes very well with the karmic guide that Alex took pack one, pick one. So I think certainly a fine case here, Mm -hmm. but then you just need to make sure that you're cutting BK down the road. So Alex gets out of pack one, mostly white right so he's got the karmic guide he's now got late to dinner he gets a soul of migration next the seven mana two four flyer makes two one one birds and then has evoke for three and a white lens flare as the affinity removal spell for an attacker and then gets double marble gargoyle the two twos that can pump their toughness that have flying so it's like a pretty good end to pack one for him yeah i think you know and certainly is solidifying himself into white it's interesting that in your back to that pack one pick five with the violent tumor yeah bk didn't take that because i took it on the wheel so i wonder what bk took out of this pack i bet it's the i bet it's the unholy heat the red instant oh yes to a creature yes, of planeswalker is. yep you're right that is what he takes here we go here we go pack two pick one this is where it all starts ben this is the fey offering pack so alex sees the pack and it's got fey offering and herd bayloth and then it also has banner hide crew shock that's the the three and a green four four trample with a bunch of other text you think he's just supposed to take Fey Offering here? I We talked about this ahead of the show. Yeah, I think Alex is supposed to take Fey Offering here. One, it looks like it could potentially be pretty good with what Alex is doing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's green-white, but he's not green-white beat downy at all. And in fact, he's only he's only really white with a Bannerhide Crew Shock. And so I think Fey Offering is just totally busted. And I think you should be trying to draft to make it work here. Like, maybe it's not ideal in green-white, but he could be white whatever splashing this. Like, the card is just great um so yeah i think alex was actually supposed to take fey offering here so here are alex's thoughts he says tough pack i'm not really locked in anything but white that's what we just said thought i might want to move into more of a beatdown deck after picking up the two gargoyles at the end of pack one which i think is also really smart and he took crew shock over fey offering figuring one if marshall is in a slow green deck which is who he's passing to he can't really hate anything here since he gets the next best green card which is still good like either the bailoth or the crew shock and Krushak, he thinks, is better for him than Offering, since Offering can be awkward in base white, since there's a lack of good non-creatures. So he's really thinking through this fully, like in, in a way that more than I think maybe you and I are, we're just like, Fey Offering equal good take card. <laughs> that you know? that like, is my process for both <laughs> Alex and you. Yes. <laughs> Fey Offering's busted. Don't pass it. Yeah. Yeah. So for demerits for both me and Alex in terms of, you know, leveling ourselves for the team draft and passing Fey Offering. And like I said, it does end up biting us in the butt. I think LSV's deck is 
maybe not significantly worse, but but somewhat worse not having Faye offering in it. For sure. But yeah, it's, it's awkward because at the end of the draft, both you and Alex are like, ah, I'm in white green. Oh, you're in white green. But, but sort of different flavors of white green. And Alex was more white green splashy stuff. Like he was doing a little reanimatory things, right? He picks up a late landscaper Colos in, in pack two, pick five. That's the five and white, four, six with basic land cycling one and a white. So you can like, you know, search up your splash stuff and then reanimate it, which he has with the late to dinner and the karmic guide. So so pretty synergistic, but but splashing a handful of cards. So not a streamlined white green deck like yours was. Right. We were not really stepping on each other's toes at all, other than that Alex had two banner hide crew shocks. But I mean, that's just a great card that every green drafter is going to take, right? Right. So the the you know the splash cards that Alex have were Lonus Cryptozoologist. It's a green blue rare that makes clue tokens every time a creature enters the battlefield under your control. Splashing a wave sifter as well in blue, a chrome courier, which I'm a little less excited about, and a foundry helix to give himself a little bit more removal. Yeah. And one other thing that is super important to note is that pack three pick one, Alex took an Archfiend of Sorrows away from BK. So this is five black black for a four five flyer when ETBs creatures your opponent's control gets minus two minus two until end of turn and it has unearthed for three black black. That card would have been insane for BK and I think very good against your deck pretty good against my deck depending on the type of start that I had so you know that's the sort of thing that comes up in team draft right Alex passed those you know blue black gold cards early figured BK was blue black and then did what he was supposed to do here and took Archfiend away from BK I think if BK has Archfiend in his deck I don't beat him round one I don't I don't think I can beat that card so this hate is like real this is a very important pick for our team's success in the draft. Yeah. And that sort of that sort of stuff is what makes team draft awesome, right? Yes. I was I was going through I think that pick's really important and I think me hating uh Fast and Furious from LSV was really important, not that he needed it, but I think that would have been a very good card in his deck against all three of our decks cuz all three of us end up in and Alex is the least aggressive of the bunch, but you and I have very aggressive decks. Yes, with derpy ground creatures. <laughs> All right, I think we, we've saved the best for last year, Ben, which is BK's draft. Yeah, BK, I think, had the sweetest deck by far. When I was playing against BK, I think I maybe could have beaten him game one if I had really grasped the full awesomeness of his <laughs> deck, but it took me a little bit too long, and then I made one attack that I shouldn't have, and it was too late, and the, the jaws of soup had closed around me. Yeah, so you know, we, we have an idea of what he ends up in given what we just saw from Alex, right? So pack one, pick one, he takes a a very weak pack. He takes captured by Legax, far and away the best card in the pack. One green, white, uh, enchanted creature can't attack or block. And when it enters the battlefield, support two. So really good removal spell. But we know that's not where he's going to end up. So what happens next? So pack one, pick two, he gets that Lazatep Chancellor, which again is the blue, black, one, three. Whenever you discard a card, you can pay one. If you do amass two and then pack one, pick three, he gets the second one, snaps it up. Pack one, pick four. He gets that Dahada's ploy, snaps it up, and is feeling great at this point, I assume. Yeah, he gets he gets Seal of Removal next. That's the blue bounce enchantment. And he was even thinking in the draft, he was like, this is really good for Delirium, and blue-black can care about Delirium, or maybe I you know, splash some red stuff that cares about Delirium, which is probably then why he takes Unholy Heat over Violent Tumor, pack one, pick six. Yeah, that's still surprising to me with how awesome of a blue-black start he has. Yeah. Now, maybe team draft-wise, he's worried about passing Unholy Heat more than he is wanting Violent Tumor for his deck. Like he's Their team is high enough on it, and I do think that card is 
great, but that, you know, he doesn't feel like he can pass it and maybe he can play it. So he's doing more for like the zero sum part of team draft by taking Unholy Heat here over Violent Tumor. Yeah. And then he gets out of pack one, just like mono blue black. He picks up a double Torox Canticle. That's the, the discard spell for four mana, a Tizarus Charger, the three mana, three, two with escape, a mental journey. That's the blue basic land cycler, or you can draw three. Double Foul Watcher, the two mana one two flyer with uh, ETB Surveil one and has Delirium plus one plus O. Like that's a really insane start for a team draft. Yeah, very streamlined. Pack two, pick one. That sort of all goes off the rails, though. He opens Timeless Dragon, which is three white white for a five five flyer, plain cycling for two mana, and then you can eternalize it for two white white. The card is absurd, you know great bomb you cannot pass that card in team draft and it's a very weak pack other than that so he snaps up the timeless dragon and i think is planning to play it you know he has the marsh flats already to potentially fix for white so he's like all right let's do it you know timeless dragon let's go that was the crazy thing about watching his draft was that you know i would have taken that card and been like cool i'm hate drafting this move it to the sideboard it just like insta goes in his main deck and he's like well we got to pick up a little bit more fixing for this card i was like you are <laughs> insane dude no, i don't know i kind of like it oh, because i love the next it. packs the next packs in pack two are really not very good for him right like right. they're very weak packs so he just spends a lot of pack two picking up fixing you know gets a lot of artifact mana to help with you know the unholy heat splash and the timeless dragon splash and that's really all that he's got going on in pack two it's just like fixing 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 and then moving on to pack three he really gets the uh what's the term the the piece de resistance the piece de resistance master of death pack three pick one one blue black for a three one when it enters the battlefield surveil two and at the beginning of your upkeep if it's in your graveyard you can just pay one life and if you do return it to your hand yeah card is a bonkers engine for a blue black discard deck which is what bk was set up to be at its core there's also in this pack an underworld cookbook which is one mana discard a card make a food and you can pay four tap sack it to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand which i think he is probably hoping to wheel right well because he doesn't have any discard outlets yet right he's got a lot of stuff that cares about discarding but he needs ways to get stuff from his hand to the graveyard right but you have to pick master and hope the cookbook wheels 100 percent. i mean it's very very it's just busted period and then as we will see he gets the engine pieces and so it ends up being busted plus in his deck yeah, so he gets a Flay Essence just as a Primo removal spell next. That's the one black black exile a creature or planeswalker. Pick three immediately picks up his first copy of Underworld Cookbook mm-hmm. and then does end up in pick seven wheeling the other Underworld Cookbook. So he just really has like the whole room running together. And then pack uh, three, pick 11 yeah. wheels Piru the Volatile, which ends up making his deck. That's the two red, red, white, white, black, black, seven, seven flying lifelink. At the beginning of your upkeep, sack it unless you pay red, white, black. And when it dies, it deals seven damage to each non-legendary creature. So BK's deck was awesome. Like just super, super cool. Yeah, wildly good. Uh, You know, very easy for him to assemble his combo because he got a step through as well. So that's the three blue, blue sorcery return two target creatures to their owner's hand. But more importantly, it has wizard cycling too. So he has that as a second way to find master of death. Then the two cookbooks. So once he assembles cookbook, master of death, and a chancellor, he's amassing two every turn, making a food token, and then just getting master of death back to his hand for one life. It's It was a wild engine to see. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. So we should say, Ben, for folks that don't know, we, <laughs> we haven't said it yet. We, we did win. 
And we, but I should, we should also say we were planning to do this as the episode regardless before the team draft happened. We just thought that reviewing this would be a, a good thing to do. And but bonus points that we we got to tie up the score two two against team resources. Yeah, for sure. I will say it felt great beating LSV to clinch the victory for the team. That was yes, pretty awesome. Like how can you imagine? You know, like whatever. If you told yourself like ten years ago, you that is like watching LSV on Channel Fireball, like loves magic and just consuming content, that you're going to be throwing down in a team draft with LSV who wants to draft with you mm-hmm. and like get to beat him to clinch a victory for your team in team draft. That's crazy, right? It was super awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think really interesting to see those. It feels like the two crucially things were the flow of that glut of black cards in pack one and then that Fey offering going too late in pack two. Those feel like the two big things. I mean, like you could make a case for, you know, Piru the Volatile going too late in pack three. But by the, you know, if you see stuff wheeling in pack three, I think you sort of assume no one's taking it. Like some people might be floating it. And I don't even know if BK at the time was thinking, Hope I wield this, you know, giant dragon that I can <laughs> cast because I'm a madman splashing a red, red, white, white, black, black card in my blue, black deck. Yeah, I mean, is very interesting. And I think a lot of the hate draft decisions, like they're interesting, tense decisions there, right? Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, a lot of them were close and we ended up, you know, both teams, I think, made a lot of right decisions. I think I punted pretty badly. Pack three, pick one with the mm-hmm. flame tongue yearling thing. But yeah, super deep on team draft and just a very interesting format. So hopefully that look of, you know, all those drafts around the table gives you insight into our thoughts. And, you know, if you do your own team drafts, um, it's sweet to do. You know, if you get your LGS and you don't have eight people to fire a draft, see if your LGS will let you do a team draft. Yeah, they're super fun. Would recommend. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro to read that sweet, sweet written content that you, me, and Alex are pumping out along with all of the other members of CFB Pro, uh, please use the code LOL at checkout when you do to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. Ben's at his new place, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for him, twitch.tv slash slash Lord Tupperware for me, both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.